Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for tuning in again. I love you guys. I appreciate your support more than you know. Keep sharing all these episodes because we're saving lives and we're just making a difference. And uh, I've had some amazing guests on and today's going to be no different. I do need to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Wasatch Recovery, Siegfried & Jensen, Thread Wallets, um, living Recovery Interventions, and my good friend Drew Peterson. And we have a bunch of silent sponsors too. Um, you, you know who you are, so thank you for supporting this belief cast. It really does make a difference, and it allows us to get this out to more people. So thank you for believing in me. It means more than you know. Um, today is uh, going to be an awesome episode because we're joined by Shalise Stevens. Shalise, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, she is the author of Finding 40, A Mother's Walk with Grief. Um, we're going to obviously talk about how this even came about and uh, uh, when you lost your son, and we're going to get into that. And it's a very touching and heartfelt uh, story. Uh, you talk a lot about grief and hope and how to get through these things, and you really are an inspiration. Well, thank you. I mean, honestly, the way you carry yourself and the way you've taken this tragedy and turned it into doing good for others, which has obviously helped you as well, but uh, you're doing so much for other people, so I'm just excited. This is great to have you on. <laughs> I'm excited too. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we start and just kind of tell us where you grew up and maybe a little bit about your childhood. All right. Well, I was born in Turlock, California. Not many people know where that is. So if you do know, then <laughs> I don't know where that is either. <laughs> it's about an hour and a half south of Sa uh, Sacramento. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, Central yeah. California. But I was born there, and then when I was just barely before I turned five, we moved to Idaho because my dad got a job transfer, okay. and so I grew up. I'm the oldest in my family. I have two younger brothers. And I was always that kid in the in the neighborhood that was starting clubs and <laughs> starting like all of these things. And, you know, I always had to be the president and I always were <laughs> I was gathering everyone together. But yeah. um, I love to have fun. I used to race the BMX bikes. I had a little elf, really? purple elf bike. And no so I, I did that when yeah. I was really young. Yeah. <laughs> I was like wow. six. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always was, I was that, that girl that, um, through all the hard times, then there were quite a few hard times in, in my childhood growing up, but I was always trying to make my family laugh and I would put on little shows for them and, you know, entertain my brothers and, and help my mom and all those things and, and just try to put a smile on people's face. Yeah. Well, you, you definitely have a lot of energy and passion, and I know you're. You know, that's probably one of the things that makes you so successful at what you're doing now. And um, so, were you were you always like this as a kid? Even like just this confident, you know, kind of energetic person. Um, I always had confidence and and energy, but <laughs> I mean, there were. <laughs> I I like to say like I'm the most confident self, like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Self conscious person uh -huh. that you'll ever meet. <laughs> Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, I fought through a lot of that. I always love to perform and, and show off and do all of that stuff. So I think that 
that has carried with me for my whole life. But I mean, it definitely, I, I, I like to talk about a lot of my story just because I know that it helps people Yeah, and it, it makes me relatable and yeah. I'm not afraid to put myself out there. Yeah. Well, that vulnerability that you show is, is really inspiring to me. And, uh, and I, and I know that's why what people want to, to hear that. Basically what I'm hearing you say is you own your story, you know, and you've been through a lot and we're going to get into something really specific here. Um, you know, in 2004, you faced your worst nightmare where you lost your four-year-old son uh, when he drowned at a, a, a local swimming pool. Yeah. Uh, I have kids of my own. I have a granddaughter who's four. I can't even imagine yeah. what that is even like. I mean, it's it's one of those things I think every parent is afraid of, mm-hmm. something like that happening. But you've gone through it. and But you know, from that day forward, you have transformed uh, your journey into like healing your mind, body, and soul. Uh, you talk about grief and hope. And so d- tell us about that, uh, that day, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. I know this is a really sensitive subject, but yeah. just kind of tell us what happened and kind of what was going on. So my friend and I took our, she took her grandkids and I took my Caleb up to a water park and we, you know, we're having fun with the kids and everything like that. And, yeah. and, um, I'll, I'll make it brief, but, yeah. um, all of a sudden he, like everybody was getting out of the pool and I looked over cause I was with the other mom that was there with her kids and, and Caleb had been playing with her kids and she had, you know, older kids and stuff. And, but it was a really packed pool. Um, yeah. That this particular place actually sold three times the amount of season passes for that year, okay. and it was didn't really crowded. Yeah, and and they only had two lifeguards, and so I had just been talking to her. We're like, we were getting ready to leave, yeah. is what was happening. Which of course is that moment of like, if we left five minutes earlier, yeah. five minutes, wow, if yeah. not two, <laughs> yeah. but um. I'm pretty sure what happened because it's all kind of a blur, yeah. but we're pretty sure what happened was that there was some older kids jumping into the pool and he was on the edge of it and knocked him out basically. Oh, okay. And that, so everybody, what, what I, when I finally like realized that yeah. mm-hmm. like everybody was getting out of the pool and like life kind of slowed down to slow motion. Yeah. And I looked over and I was like, well, there's no way that's my son. Is yeah. what I said to myself because yeah. that obviously yeah. I knew, <laughs> but yeah. that was my, my inner, sure. my inner voice. And I started walking over there and I was like, oh my gosh. And I totally, usually when traumatic things happen, I'm very good at s- switching into autopilot mode and, yeah. and just handling the situation. I was a complete wreck. Oh, man. And luckily there was a nurse that was there that was able to she jumped in the pool because he was on the side of it she jumped into the pool and started to coach the lifeguards through the cpr CPR, because they they were 16 and 17 one had been there for two weeks one had been there for two days oh man and like these are kids like my daughter my my bonus daughter is about to turn 16 and thinking about her going through like they don't know they don't know they don't know and so i was so grateful because my brain even though i was certified in cpr and all of this stuff when it's your kid you're you're not there you're not there and so 
I was trying to stay calm and my my other friend that was there she's like try to sing him his favorite song and I couldn't remember the words and I was just sitting there and I remember he turned his head over and threw up and I was like oh good he's he's fine yeah he's he's gonna be fine and the nurse was like no we can't feel a heartbeat keep going and I was like what and Again, I don't remember a lot of this, but what my friend told me, because she was yeah. my sounding board at that point, sure. um, she, like, they couldn't get a line in him. They couldn't get anything like that. They, the water park itself didn't have a defibrillator on site, which is mm. legal. To, like, it was there. It's by law. You're by supposed, law, to, supposed have to have one. That, yeah. And they didn't have one. By the time the every the paramedics and everyone showed up, it, he, they couldn't get a line in. They couldn't. So they life flighted him. And normally the parents get to go with them or the one parent. At least one. I wasn't able to go. So we had to drive down to primary children's hospital. 20 minutes of agonizing. Like I, and of course it was the one day I forgot my cell phone. And so I didn't have a cell phone. And this was 18 years ago too. So, I mean, there was like, it was just so crazy. And when I walked into the, the primary children's, um, that I was like waiting there for it seemed like forever but I'm sure it was only minutes but they looked over and they were like can we help you and I was like my son was just life lighted here and they were like oh okay just a minute and like the nurse came out and she's like come back with me and so I was like okay he's okay then right because they were like put her in consult consultation room number five or whatever yeah and uh then they're like no 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 he's still in the room and I was like oh good he's okay then yeah. And she was like, no. And I oh. collapsed and like, it was just devastating. And I ended up being able to go and hold him and I held him for, it seemed like hours, but I don't, I don't know how long yeah, it was and it know. doesn't matter. It but, doesn't matter. Yeah. um, you know, I had people show up and, but I looked at my friend, I'm like, I can't call and tell, like, how do you tell somebody that your yeah, son you is s- dead? Yeah. What do you say? Like, uh, and I was <sighs> like, cause you know, there's that fear of judgment of like, now I like, you know, when you always, as a mom, you always feel like you're doing something wrong, but when you lose yeah. a child in your care, yeah, it's like, there is an, there's no, I, there's nothing that, that heals that except for time. Yeah. So and, that's the day. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I can't even imagine, like I said earlier, and anyone listening to this is just, you know, they're, I'm sure they're feeling their hearts right now going, Oh my goodness. This is, you know, this is unbelievable. You know, so you go through this. Obviously, it's a very difficult, unimaginable thing. Um, I know this is a hard question, but, you know, what what was it like, you know, weeks, months, years after? Like, wh- how are you trying to get through this? Because, again, your heavy grief, which I know you talk a lot about in your book. But let's talk about that for a minute. Well, honestly... It was sometimes one breath at a time, if I could even take it like that. It when you're first when it first happens, like you have everybody around you. Everybody's here to to consult you and to love on you and everything like that. And and, um, you know, literally help feed me at one point because I wasn't eating. And so they (laughs) like there was, you know, so many things. I knew that one day because I kept getting like you, you get a lot of gifts and books and all these things. And, um, the books that I got, they were like how to get through grief, how to do this. And I'm like, you know, in, in my, 
grieving head, I w- knew that there was no, no one could tell me how I'm supposed to get through this, especially if you've uh, never been through it. Sure, right. And I wasn't able to really, I closed myself off because normally, like we were talking about earlier, I'm very outgoing. I surround myself with people. I'm very involved. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and at this point, I shut everyone out. Yeah. And um, and the dark part that I don't, that I talk about now that I didn't talk about for years and years and years and years is that I had a small group of people that um, I, I did a lot of drugs okay, and a lot of drinking. Yeah. And because they would call me, a, fr- a friend of mine, he would call me on Thursday night and from Thursday to Monday morning, I could disappear. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I did for, for a while. And it, it didn't last for a long time. Um, because I also had my friend that was with me. I lived with her. I lived in her basement with my son. And so she would call me home and get me to do things and guilt trip me into doing like, okay, we got to paint your room. Like, you know, you got to come home and paint it. I'm going to do this myself, but I'd really like it if you were there. And she, she was definitely my rock. And the people that I was with, they knew my son too. And they loved him very much as well. And that was their way of coping. And they weren't doing it to be malicious and mean. And to this day, I mean, it's been, like I said, it will be 18 years in June. Yeah. To this day, we're close. Like, we don't always talk because yeah. we've gone our separate ways. And, you know, but but there is that bond that we all share. And yeah. it's not like some drug dealer was, like, sure. taking me in. Like, no. it wasn't that. It was yeah. their only way to know how to comfort and love to and support you. me. Yeah. And... I I needed, I almost, I, I truly believe that it helped save me though. Yeah. I was thinking what a, what a blessing to have this friend who was just doing their best. Like, let's keep you busy. Let's have you do something. Mm -hmm. Let's, and maybe those are just those little things, just enough to get you through the next day, Yep. you know, to get you to, to, to get through whatever you're feeling in that moment. So that is amazing. Yeah. And, and yeah, we all need friends like that in those moments, especially and it's great to hear that you guys are still tight and yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really cool and and the the better part of that story because that is a story that like I said I don't I pushed away all my family. I didn't yeah. want to to have that because I was always the protector in my family. I was always the fixer. I was yeah. always the one that everyone would come to when they needed something. And that was the one time in my life where I was like, no. And so to this day, we're still healing those relationships because of that. Yeah. And Which again, anyone can understand what you've been through. Like I can see yeah. why that happened. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Well, you, you talk a lot about uh, healing, you know, your mind, body, and soul. Can you explain that? You know, cause like explain what that looks like and what, what was that journey like for you? And how did you get to that point where you finally go, okay, I'm going to do something different. I'm done. Not that you were done grieving, but it's like, I'm going to do something with this. Done self-medicating. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the most beautiful experience happened and devastating at the same time, actually. Hmm. I, my friend that I was telling you about that we went with her granddaughters, she had a daughter that was my age about. And she, her daughter was in the Peace Corps in Africa. And she got into a really terrible accident. 
and was life flighted to South Africa. And like, that's a cool story in and of itself. I tell the whole story in my book, but yeah, long story short, I was like, I have nothing here. Like I wasn't married. I didn't have any other kids. Like she was my, my sounding board. And so I'm like, I'm going with you because there's no way that what happened to me is going to happen to you if I have anything to do with it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. And so I flew out there with her and spent 11 weeks in Africa basically healing this girl. And I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't really know what energy work was. I, I just did what felt natural and and we would go and I knew like I did CNA work and things like that so I knew physical therapy and we would make sure she was moving because she was paralyzed and she's not anymore like we because we were there working her every day and I would read to her and I would sing to her and in the ICU unit there everybody's kind of in the same room and it made an impact on some of the other people one of the wives actually of her husband who had a brain injury um, that was in a coma said every time I came in, his heart rate would start oh, really? going and they, he knew and yeah. he was ready for me to read my story or sing my song or whatever. Wow, <laughs> that's, so, that's amazing. Um, and I also there started writing more. I started writing my kids books that I also write. Yes. Um, and I was able to detach from my life and and be there for her and yeah. i mean i made some friends there and sure. and you know even went on a few dates with this guy and <laughs> like you know i because it was like separating myself from reality yeah. and and being in an icu unit 24 7 is very exhausting oh, man. and so we yeah. we were able to to do that though and and truly i feel that that's what started propelling me towards who i am now was that part and all of my story is is my story and it's made a difference and it's made me again relatable to other people who are going through that but the fact that I was able to go so quickly through it and you know and then when I came home I I mean there were ups and downs too for that but but it showed me what I was capable of doing at three months later after my son died and Man. to be able to do something like that was like, okay, this is, I guess, what I'm meant to do. And I felt my son through the whole thing, and he was very close to me. And I'm like, okay, I hear you. Like, this is wow. this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be healing, helping other people heal. So, wow. you know, I I tell my clients all the time that I work with that life happens for us, mm-hmm. and even you know, like something tragic like this led you to something that. Yeah, Th- that beautiful experience in South Africa, um, and to do what you're doing now. So, you have this realization. You're like, you know what? This is what I should be doing. This mm-hmm. is what I need to be doing. So, tell us what you started doing, like on a personal level, because obviously you're helping. But what did you do uh, individually to help you at that point? So at that point, um, it. I mean, it's healing is messy. It's a messy process. And it's never like, okay, I'm on this road of like, let's climb up the ladder. Like there's a lot of broken uh, rings on that ladder, you know? And, uh and, uh, so I, it's been, like I said, it'll be 18 years in June. Mm. And this whole time, it's never been just an uphill climb. It's 
Sometimes you climb a little bit, you camp out for a little bit, yeah. you get over that boulder the next morning if you get up the next morning. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, you know, you fight through the the demons and all those things. And it's it's definitely that, that journey. And, you know, when I look back, I'm like, man, you know, I could have been so much further along in mm-hmm. my journey if I only yeah. did blah, blah, blah. But when I really look back at my journey, because it took me 15 years to write my book. Because I just couldn't do it. But I knew that every time I wrote in my journal or every time I wrote a poem or every time I wrote something, because writing is my release. Writing is my biggest healer. Yeah, 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 of anything. Every time I did something like that, I knew what it was meant to be. I knew what I was doing it for and working towards. And finally, I was like, I can't put this off anymore. Like, it's time. And it was right when COVID hit and everybody was isolated. And I had my book launch on Zoom. In May of 2020. (laughs) Right in the heart of it. Right right in the heart of it. And I was like, here we go. Like, this is time. And and I'm not, you know, and and that whole process was healing and exhausting in and of itself. Like, and I just got the audio files to put my book on audio tape. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can go through this again. (laughs) Well, yeah. Being one who's written a book, congratulations, because this is no easy thing. Yeah. It is right. At least, I mean, it took me seven years to launch my first book. It was, it is difficult. And, um, but, but I love how you're like, I don't care. It's May of 2020. We're still doing this and you did it. (laughs) I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. How's, how's the reception been with your book? Oh, it's been fantastic. I mean, I, I knew it's, it's a very, it's a book for people that, that need it. Yeah. And it's not just for the loss of a child, even though that's my biggest audience. Yeah. But everybody who reads it, uh, it's it's meant something and yeah. it's relatable. And it's exactly what I meant it to be. Because I, like I said, I didn't need, no, the world doesn't need another book of how to go through the steps of grief. Because that's <laughs> right. not even, it's not those. a stepping process. Like it's, <clears throat> yeah. like there's the stages, but it's not, what what they don't tell you is that it's not... Like first you're gonna feel this and then you're gonna feel that. No, it's not. It's all sometimes it's all, all of a in one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it feels like it goes away and then it comes back. Yeah, and exactly. It yeah. And it's like it's, I remember there were times when I'm like, Oh, I think I'm through this process. Like obviously, like I'm still sad, but I'm like, yeah. I'm not grieving anymore. Yeah. But what I've realized is that grief is is a lifelong process. Yeah. And you don't always feel the heaviness of it, but sometimes you do again. Sometimes yeah. you go through the whole entire grief stage again. Yeah. And wow. like my, I know I keep saying it's 18 years. It'll be 18 years since he's passed in June. And every year I do something for him, but I'm like, but it's been 18 years. And so now he's graduated angel school. <laughs> and so oh, we're going to have go. a whole graduation ceremony for him. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, he would have been 22 this year or well, turning 23 in October. And at this point, I think that I'm kind of going through the phases that I would as a mom. And yeah. and again, like I, I have a lot of work done too. Like I do a lot of healing work and energy work on myself too. Yeah, sure. And um, one of the sessions I had was, well, at this point he would be, you know, it was tw- when he would be 21. Yeah. And honestly, he wouldn't want his mom around all the time. <laughs> And I'm like, that's true. You know, and at first I was offended by that. I was like, that, no, I don't have to like do anything. And then I'm like, but that helps him age with me. Yeah. Okay. That makes it more of a mortal, like, 
okay, like we can separate a little bit more. And the grief I felt for losing my little boy is now transitioned. Okay. And it's all about wow. that growth in myself and with him and as an angel, because I couldn't do half the things that I do, you know, on a spiritual level without him. Right. And right. he leads me to so many things. And, and honestly, it's one of the reasons why I think that I did lose him was not just because I had work to do, but because we had work to do. Yeah. And as a human, as mortal, you can't do that when you're a little kid growing up, like you're, yeah, you know, and right, so yeah. he was meant for bigger things that he needed to do that he couldn't do in his human form. Wow. Very well said. That's, that's, I love that you said you do something for him every year. Mm-hmm. He's gra- graduating angel school. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I think that's fantastic though. Yeah. You know, is that, is that just like part of that process also that you've kind of come up with to help you heal and continue to grow from this oh i'm sure like i i love celebrating i absolutely love celebrating things (laughs) and so (laughs) i'm like there if there's a reason to celebrate let's do it let's do it yeah (laughs) and and so but i'm also i love timelines and i'm a big Mm -hmm. timeline person and for me it, it does help me go through different the different phases because it's it's healing me like he doesn't need to be healed right like there's no it's all for me like whether or not he even exists like if you're spiritual or not for me he does because i need that but for other people who don't believe that like it whatever you they need to do to get through it is is perfectly fine but for me and i've even said this i'm like you know even if it's not true even if what i feel is just the memory of him that still makes it real to me because that's what I need to get through it because otherwise I wouldn't be here. I can guarantee that. Yeah. Cause I, during that time, like there were several times when I thought about suicide, there were several times that I thought like, what's the point? Like I'm there. It's, it's too hard. And some days are too hard. That was going to be my next question is if you ever had those kind of thoughts and obviously here we are talking about it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And, and that's, I think one thing that the drugs did get me through was like, it's too hard. So I get to escape, but I'm going to escape in this way and not forever because I need to find a way to honor my son. Okay. I like that because I was, I was wondering if you were concerned that you weren't, wouldn't be able to stop drinking or doing the drugs or whatever it was you were using. But I love what you said. You're like, you had to find a way to honor him because doing drugs and blowing up your life isn't honoring him. Correct. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I've always been a person that believes in fighting for what you have. Mm-hmm. Um I don't want to go too much into this part of my my past or my childhood, but um it was it was pretty rough okay. and there were times when um I I would look at my mom and I wouldn't I would, I would always be impressed on how she fought through the things that she dealt with. She was, um, Mm. she was abused by my dad and, um, there were times that, that, you know, I was like, you should leave. I was, I was that kid at a little, I was a little and being like, what are you still doing here, mom? Like you, you need to be more than this. Like I'll help you. And we did run away to the women's shelter a couple of times and we did do, do things. And I would protect my brothers because, my 
my mom couldn't and not that they like and that was the the weird thing like I was never physically abused as a child um my brother's a little bit but not like that right yeah um but the there were a lot of demons that my dad was facing and he doesn't have I mean we don't have a very strong relationship now because I had to get out of of that and and I think my biggest battle including the drugs and that's where a lot of it came in was allowing myself to to find my way out of toxic behaviors and relationships and I battled a lot of those and um, to this day like I I'm I'm finally in a a healthy relationship but we we found this great quote that said (laughs) you know Everybody says how amazing it is when you get out of toxic relationships, but nobody tells you how hard it is to get into a healthy relationship after been after being in a toxic one. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, that hit me hard because I'm like, it is like you're a mirror to each other when you you want to do healthy things, you want to have healthy yeah. behaviors, but you've never known how to do that. And so you got to figure it out. Got to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, there's the ladder that you're like, why are all these rungs broken? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, where is it? Where is it? I all right. Get... I guess we got to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing he's a handyman. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Wow. No. And again, yeah, it's, it's interesting how, you know, as I'm listening to your story, you go back to, you know, when you were describing your childhood, how you were the planner and you were the president mm-hmm. of the clubs and yep. and organizing and, and being, you know, basically, you know, like a go-getter and getting things done. I see how that's playing. That's how you are now even. Yeah. Like, it's interesting how you've kind of taken the, the rings of this and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to do the best with this. I'm going to honor my son and I'm going to, I'm going to make this work. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you had those skills when you were this little kid. Yeah. And well, and that's, you know, that's interesting that you say that because everything that we do, you know, you're always told you have everything that it takes to be what you're, you're meant to be yeah. inside of you yep. and you really grow with this, but you have to, to learn, you have to nurture, you have to really mm-hmm. figure out what those are and, and go back to those moments of like, how am I being successful and, and how, what strengths do I have and what weaknesses do I have and, mm-hmm. and how can we grow our strengths and manage our weaknesses? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I feel like during my journey, even though I'm not where I want to be, whatever that means anymore now, <laughs> yeah. but, um, because honestly, like I've gotten to a point where I'm ex- I know I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. And there's even a little bit of fear of like, okay, like things are really taking off. Oh, am I ready for this? <laughs> but yeah. everything that I've been through has gotten me to this point. And even jobs and uh, those relationships and the kids and their relationships yeah. now, like all of this is is has brought me here. And it's exactly where I'm supposed to be because yeah. for whatever reason I'm meant for whatever people I'm supposed to influence or impact, they're exactly where they need to be to hear me now. Yeah. Right. And they can relate to the drugs. They can relate yeah. to the alcohol. They can relate to not being where they, they want to be or having, you know, a six figure income business and all of those things. And it's like, I'm 43 years old and I'm finally feel like I'm starting to really live my life. Yeah. I love it. Wow. Finding 40. Finding 40. (laughs) Um, So I know this is a tough question because you've learned many lessons through this whole thing. 
for the last 18 years of what you've been through, obviously, and even stuff that you went through as a child that you mentioned. What what are some of the biggest lessons that stand out to you through this whole process now that you're here we are sitting here this many years later? What are some of the big lessons that just really stand out to you? That that is always a hard question because every time I answer it, I answer it differently. <laughs> yeah, cuz and I know there's a lot of lessons around yeah. you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I truly believe that what I talked about with finding those strengths that you have and really allowing them to to impact your life and to grow with them and to really nurture those instead of focusing on your weaknesses or the the things that you're doing wrong or mm-hmm. the things that you should have would have could have done yeah. better yeah right because <laughs> we all have those and it's those moments of when you're shooting on yourself yeah to take a step back and really find the gratitude in what what you have and those strengths that you've been able to nurture or those people that you've been able to impact. And that truly, when I, when I'm in those places yeah, and I get to, I mean, I still have dark moments. I still have dark, you know, I battle with depression and anxiety and all those things too. And I, I know that when I'm in those places that it's really hard sometimes to focus on those positive things. Yeah. Right. And sometimes I have to tell myself like, it's just okay. It's okay to be sad today yeah. or it's okay to be a raging lunatic to your children because they're not <laughs> listening to you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they know like, I mean, kids and like animals and all those things, like they know if you get mad at them for one thing that you're still going to love them. Yeah. And they always come back yeah. and they always are like, Oh, mom's so mad at me. But then at the end of the day, like they're the ones that need your hugs and kisses. Good night. Exactly. And so I think what I've learned is that giving yourself those moments too, and being able to say, you know what, this is a weakness of mine and it's okay. Yeah. Wow. I love that. You mentioned gratitude. And I think a lot of people might be who are listening to this right now go, how can she find gratitude through all this? You know, like, I mean, Mm -hmm how can you do that? And so maybe answer that. Like, how did you find gratitude and why is gratitude so important to you? Gratitude is everything to me. I've even, I even say in my, my book and I've said to people before, I'm not grateful that I lost my son like that. Right. That is. And, but you know, what's, what's weird is that I can't even say that if I could take it all back, I would at this point. Mm. Because for one, I can't, and I've gotten, I've become very, very good about like living in the now. Yeah. But, but also if I did, what would I not have experienced today? And that makes me grateful for the tragedy. Again, not for losing my son. No, yeah, I know. (laughs) But in the tragedy of my life and being able to work through so much and and I know that I've impacted so many people just by being who I am and and again not saying that because like I'm something special I'm not well we all are we all are something special (laughs) yep but (laughs) we all also if I if I were to not share my story so many people wouldn't be able to to share theirs. 
yeah. or to have any hope that one day maybe they could feel a little bit better about yeah. life yeah. or hang on just, just one more day. And so gratitude is everything to me because it's even in, in my darkest moments, there's always something to smile about. Yeah. And that's also probably what helps to have to have hope through this mm -hmm. as well, right? Yeah. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand, I would imagine. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Having hope is the is the key to so many things. Just, you know, there's there's always the sun is always going to come up. Sometimes when the sun comes up, it's cloudy and yeah. it doesn't feel like it's like yeah. the rays of sunshine are coming in. Yeah. But that's not supposed to be every day for your life either. Yeah. If you're always sifting through life, just happy and whatever yeah. like it's fine yeah. um well we all know what fine stands for so. <laughs> <laughs> yes we do and, and if you don't you can look it up I yeah guess. exactly <laughs> <laughs> but but when you know even in nature things are messy things are dark sometimes yeah. things are stormy yeah. And that's why with my nonprofit that I have now, it's called Rainy Days Foundation because we all have those dark moments, those rainy days that we just need to get through. Yeah. But having that hope yeah. that the sun will eventually come out or a rainbow or something. Yeah. Well, that was going to be the next question. So you're <laughs> yeah. right on. So yeah, let's talk about your foundation. Tell us why you created it and what's the purpose of it. So with my foundation, I actually created it about... Let's see, it was 2015. Okay. So, wow, time flies. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here um, we are. When I first started, I always knew that I needed to do something in his name. When I first started mm -hmm. it, I thought it was going to be helping moms through loss and grief. Yeah. Because that is a huge part. Um, then it became when I, you know, knowing that I went to Africa and I've helped other friends whose kids were in the hospital and or who's, you know, going through a lot of, of trials mm -hmm. and, and things like that. I was like, well, maybe it's trauma and tragedy that I'm helping people through. Yeah. And then um, almost, wow, it'll be four years, I think, this month um, is when I met my first heart kid. And he was the same oh. age as my youngest son is now. Okay. And he what, like, just got a flu a little flu and they took him in cause it wasn't really going away. He wasn't, something wasn't right. And yeah. mom's intuition was, sure. yeah. <laughs> um, she took him to the, the emergency room and he ended up having to have a heart transplant. Wow. And I barely even knew this family. Like it was just a fluke that yeah. I met them. Yeah. I, like I said, there, I don't believe that there are any true accidents. Everything happens yeah. for a reason. For a reason. Yeah. But, um, as I was watching this kid's journey and kind of being a part of it on the sidelines, I was like, well, you know, maybe trauma and tragedy, like that's, that's a part of it. And then I realized, which is so, and not that I had forgotten this part, but it's something that I suppressed. It wasn't a part of me that, that healed yet. And it had been 13 years. And, uh, my son, when he died, was able to donate his heart valves, everything else he couldn't, okay. but he was able to donate his heart valves. And it wow. saved another child. And I don't know who this child was. And at that time, I was 25 years old. Yeah. So getting this news and still in my depths of grief, I was like, I, like, okay, good for you. I, and I know this sounds horrible. Well, it's almost <laughs> like you didn't want to hear that because you're still Because you're I'm hurting. still grieving. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm like, my, I, you know, why did he have to go? Yeah. Like, why was, was that? I was still in the depths of the why and yeah. the needing to like, oh, for sure. it, it was 
awful. And so then I kind of just like we got a little token thing and I went and put it on his grave and I was like, well, there you go, buddy. Like you saved somebody. And then I didn't think about it again. 13 years later, I was like, I was talking to the dad of this kid and I was like, oh my gosh, you're waiting because he was talking about this, about like, I feel so horrible because there was a kid, ironically, that drowned and um, on the TV when his son was waiting for a heart and he was like, it makes me feel so guilty because I wonder if it would be a good match. And I was like, and it hit me and I was like, huh, okay. This is something we're going to be healing from. <laughs> but yeah. I told him, I said, but my my healer side came out and I was like, whoever you get this heart from, make sure to honor them every day. Yeah. Because every time you look at your son, you're going to see them yeah, too. For sure. And and he was like, I'm on the same page. And, <laughs> and then at that point, yeah. like, and I talked to the mom about it and like, we really were, they were open to this conversation, which was beautiful and I needed it and yeah. they needed it. And and um, then I met another heart family and another heart family. And, and I was like, I think my whole mission now is to help heal these little hearts yeah. and and help them with the transition too. like. And even if it's just me being there, because I don't I I help bring in the the fun and the sunshine and the the nor you know a little bit of normalcy in their life sure. and yeah. and you know we've had superhero parties and we've had <laughs> like we went to the luminaria and got family pictures for them and like things like that that i am able to do give them zoo passes so they can make those memories because the right. memories to me are so important yeah right and these moms though too there's about 20 moms in my group and they need like they're grieving too yeah Because every mom who has a baby is thinking that they want their child to grow up normal, whatever that means. Yeah, right. You know, and (laughs) healthy and strong and all of those things. No mom has a baby thinking that they're going to have to deal with this for the rest of their life. Right. Even once they heal from it, there's still repercussions. There's still medicine. There's still every time they get a cold, they wonder if they have to take them to the ER. Yeah. Like all of these things and i'm like this is where i belong like this is my family yeah and they help me as much as i help them and it's so nice to have that to feel included to feel like once you they go home from the hospital because they have again all that support but it's after when they're home and they're alone Mm -hmm. that they don't have that connection or that network as much as they did in the hospital or whatever like you know sometimes they people want to be that but it's been really cool to be able to be that and since my whole thing is giving hope and making memories and connection that's what i'm doing for them yeah and it's really powerful and and i even tried i'm like well maybe i need to like not do this and do something else maybe i'm not there and every one of the moms are like (laughs) um no you can't leave us now I'm like, but you got, they're like, no. Yeah, right. (laughs) So, and we've become really good friends and and it's again, that family. And even though when you go, just like the friends that I had, like even when you go your separate ways, you always have that moment of you did this for me. Even if it was that one time when you gave me a hug and told me that I can make it till tomorrow. Yeah. Like that was everything to me that day. Dang. That is so beautiful that you're doing that. And wow. That just puts life in perspective when you say it like mm-hmm. that you <laughs> know those you. hugs um choking me up there um 
Well, you're doing a lot of great things. Um, you've written this book. You um, you want to make a difference. I, I know that. You're obviously very passionate about that. What are what are some of your future plans? And then maybe if you could let our listeners know, how can they get your book, you know, and how can they get a hold of you if they have a question for you or if they want to know more about Perfect. your foundation? Yeah. Just give us all that yeah. information. Uh, so I have a couple of different webs. You can get my book on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Okay. And um, you can find me on my website. I have ShaliseTalks.com and then RainyDaysFoundation.com. And you can contact me any any of those ways. Okay. Shalise at RainyDaysFoundation.org. You can send me an email and... Or I'm on Facebook. I'm all over social media. <laughs> so um, I guess you're going to put up. Yes, this will all be in the show notes pick. that people Perfect. can link to for sure. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. Yeah. And I'm always I'm always there. I'm always able to, you know, even if it, you want to connect and talk and and just get out your story. I, I love listening to people's stories because yeah. I know how much they impact other people and they, they impact me. Like there's never a time when I don't hear somebody's story and be like, wow, that really just changed something in the yeah. way, e even if it's the way I view something or look at yeah. something or, right. or I can tell the story to somebody else that's like, you know, that, that needs to hear it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'm always willing to, to meet new people. I am really big on women's advocacy too sure. and empowering women and helping them heal because a lot of the, the heart kids, they all have moms and it's the mom group that we really focus yeah. on. And, yeah. and, um, and I, I love, I love being a part of, of women empowerment. And mm -hmm. I, it's really cool because I'm just starting the uh, women in business chapter in the West Jordan chamber. Oh, right and on. yeah, that just is happening this week. And I'm mm. getting involved with a, a website called win, win women. And it's, it's just all about empowering other women and being there because so many women don't feel like what they have is worth sharing. Yeah. And a lot of people also like they they have so much that they can offer the world and they're just they don't feel like they're enough. Yeah. And I want to help people understand that that they are wow. and it's their story that makes them that way. Yeah. No matter what it is, it doesn't have to be loss. Yeah. But but, you know, it's so much of what we deal with, whether it's losing a job, losing a grandparent that we just lost another grandparent this week too. And like grief is something that we all deal with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just moving forward and moving through that and not feeling like you need to, to suppress it or, yeah. or hide that it's, it's to share it and to help others. Wow. Beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. You know, I love what you said earlier too, which we mentioned about how you you, you honor your son every year, uh, Caleb, with uh, these things that you're doing. I would say you're honoring you're honoring him by doing this today with me. So thank you, and thank you. Um, you know, and I believe that he's here with us, and uh, it's just really just heart touching the way you handled this uh, pain and stuff and this tragedy you've been through. It's a great example to all of us, and so. I'm glad that our listeners got to hear your story because you are proof that as hard as it can be, you can you can get through this. Obviously, you had help along the way, and that's why you're here is mm -hmm. to help. So I, I 
encourage all of our listeners to reach out to you if they're struggling. Go get go get your book. Um, check out your websites and things like that, and maybe get involved in some of these groups that you're in and and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, we we need more people like you who have been through tough times, who have made it through it, and now you're being vulnerable and sharing mm-hmm. back with everybody. I just I think it's fantastic. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, very neat. Well, thank you for taking some time with us today. Honestly, it really means a lot. It's taken us a minute to finally connect. (laughs) Uh, We've had one thing after the other. It seems like getting in the way, but it, like we talked about earlier, this timing is perfect for this. And uh, I really believe we're going to save some lives by what you've shared today. And, And again, listeners, go check out our book, Finding 40, A Mother's Walk with Grief. And, uh, She's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Really, truly, I love your energy and love your passion about what you're doing, and and uh, you really are uh, someone that we need to look up to. So, well, again, thank you. thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. You know, I told you this was going to be another amazing <laughs> episode. <laughs> please reach out to her and uh, please check out her website. And uh, you know, if you can't get a hold of her for some reason, reach out to me, and I'll make sure you guys get lined up. But I love you guys. Again, thanks to our sponsors. Thank you for tuning in um, and uh, believing in this whole cause that we're doing here. It's just fantastic. I mean, I just found out we're like ranked in the top 100 in mental health in the world. Oh, that's so awesome. Blows my mind. That's amazing. Um, But it's because it's people like you coming on and just being vulnerable and sharing because this is relatable because so many people have gone through this. So anyway, thank you. You know, thank you. You're amazing. And, and, uh, we, I love how you honor your son every year by doing these kind of things. So thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time. <laughs>